Barancourt's radio network is now available on Anchor.fm. You can subscribe to our podcast either through Anchor or one of its many affiliates, Google Podcasts, Breaker, Overcast, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, Stitcher Radio, Spotify, or subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Now, enough of the bullshit. Here's the podcast. sci-fi stuff on the internet for you peoples and one of the things that came across in some of the stuff that I watched was how old sci-fi actually is when you know what what would we term as sci-fi in history and uh, there's some conspiracy stuff there yeah and then there's uh, you know some stuff that does cross genre in it um, but I'm going to ask, if you think the history of sci-fi, I'm going to ask everybody here, what time, at what time in history, before we discussed it pre-the pre show here, would you have thought that sci-fi officially started? Oh, with Heather. 1800s. I would say late 1800s, early 1900s. See, I would have thought it would have just been like early 1900s, only... Um, I mean, obviously, it's going to be a lot older than that, depending yeah. on your, um, you know, your perception Def of it. You know, definition, your definition of definition of sci-fi. Sci yeah. yeah. So if we put on our conspiracy theory hats, if uh, you're a fan of Ancient Aliens, oh, the yeah. show, which show I, I am, and whatnot, uh, the first instance that we in the modern day would consider sci-fi was in the Ramadan in India where they talked about mechanical flying ships or mechanical birds mm -hmm. that came down from the stars. Mm -hmm. And so this would be, you know, and, and this is kind of taken in a religious aspect. Right. Yeah. For, for that time frame. Um, but, you know, does this actually qualify to be included in the sci-fi genre? Or are we just going to stick that in the conspiracy genre or the... I mean, the, there's even people who point to the fact that there are beings from the stars in the Christian Bible. Yeah. So, how far back do you want to go and say that's sci-fi versus conspiracy or, you know, allegories for angels? Or do you want to say angels or gods right. were aliens that came down and well, stuff like that it's so. also an interesting um debate of where is that line between religion and sci-fi because even some modern sci-fi can kind of bring a culty thing like like star trek fans and <laughs> star wars star wars yeah. has so many 
religious undertones to it. It does. Even yeah. the fact that Obi-Wan kind of looks like Jesus a little bit. Oh, for um, Star Wars. Yeah, yeah, yeah Star, Star Wars. Wars. Yeah, for yeah. Star Wars, yeah. And you have the light and the dark. Well, I mean, even in the very first movie that was aired, and I'm not talking in the in the Lucas sequence, but A New Hope, Episode 4... One of the uh, one of the the bad guys, one of the Empire officers, even refers to Vader being, you know, his sad devotion to that ancient religion. I believe is the line. Yeah. Oh. Before Vader uses the Force to start choking him. Yeah. That's a good point. <laughs> you know. Yeah. So. Yes, it, it, it there is there is a, a gray area between religion and sci-fi because oh. really all, I mean theoretically. All these religions could have started mm-hmm. as a, just a story for entertainment, and maybe it got taken. Could have been. Could have gotten twisted well, into people took it too seriously. Yeah. The Bible itself is basically written by people who were just telling their own story and how they were touched by their their right. Father the, being it's a testament. Of God. Yeah, yeah, how they were probably, touched by God. Yeah, by God and their stories, even Jesus' stories, and then. We just took it on yeah. as an actual leading to what to their testament. In fact, did you know the term canon? Like when we say, "Oh, that story is canon," originally has roots back to the Bible. Yeah. Because yeah. when you know the Rome one decided canonization of various stories, stories of, the yeah. of the Bible. Yeah. Because yeah. some because you know um, the, the Catholic Church edited the Bible heavily yes. throughout the years, and even kings yeah. got into the King James Bible. Right. Yeah. I mean, exactly. Where the name exactly, comes from. You know, the uh, King James Bible was these people's interpretations of the writings and which to include and not include based on how, you know, and it's sad to say, how they wanted to control the yeah. populace at large. And not to mention, too, with the, especially with, like, religious texts, there is a lot of, like, fantastic stuff that happens in some of those books. Oh, yeah. Um, especially, like, when it comes to, like, fantasy. You know, mm-hmm. if, you, if you look at it from the angle of, like, fantasy, like, a lot of the different things that uh, exist in it, you know, don't really kind of coincide with anything that we know is real currently. But can't say that it didn't happen because we no, weren't there. We weren't but, there. Right. And then even taking, like, Egypt. Egypt is, like, the, probably the biggest one here. Oh, yeah. But their gods were supposedly based off alien could be possibly based off of alien influence but even and other in other cultures too and then of course obtaining the ability to do math you know do mathematics and all kinds of stuff you know even something. farther back than that though the sumerians oh yeah with the yeah. anunnaki mm-hmm. yes with, uh, the gods enki and yeah. and Whatnot that the, the immortal, influenced. the immortal rulers, or the mm-hmm. rulers that ruled for thousands of years. Um, um, Aztec, I think too. Uh, well, see, that's the thing that I was going to bring up next was that one of the interesting side notes of doing the research into historical sci-fi for the ancient astronaut mm-hmm. theory conspiracies mm-hmm. and stuff is that every society on Earth, if you go back into their history, every Every culture mm-hmm. has a reference to beings from the stars. Yeah, it's yeah. always from the stars. Always it, from it's the stars. It's really creepy. And did you know almost all the pyramids on the Earth align to this same line? Like, they all line up really closely. Yeah. yeah. 
So, I mean, that's, that's interesting to note that. So, again, does this qualify as sci-fi? Right. Or is well, this, you know, are, are we going to are we gonna go to sci-fi as something as we relate it to what we more modernly view sci-fi as? Yeah. I think kind of both, because I just, when I, I think when I and a lot of people think of sci-fi, we're thinking of technology, aliens, Who's not to space. say yeah. that when we, when ancient um, humans saw miracles, mm-hmm. we didn't understand that there was technology involved. There was all this theory that the Ark of the Covenant was actually some type of radioactive device. That's why they got sores on them and all kinds of other crazy stuff. Arthur C. Clarke, he has the best line ever, which is, uh, any sufficiently advanced technology can be viewed by a primitive group as As, magic. Yes, in fact, there there was a, a group that was studying an indigenous tribe, I think somewhere in Africa, and they had no contact with the outside world. When they flew in with their planes, they thought it was a miracle, so they started making model airplanes out of wood as oh, like, wow. an, like an effigy, <laughs> like, and it became a religion because they saw um, this airplane. Jeez. So I, I dug deeper and found that what we would consider the first iterations of sci-fi on a modern context mm-hmm. uh, is in the 1800s. So that's where it would be a lot of the writings of Jules Verne. Yeah. Uh, 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. And when yeah. um, electricity was created. And electricity. Um, Industrial. Uh, but beyond that, uh, the first instance of traveling through space is in the 1800s. Uh, mm. Though if you want to go from a period, periodic, well, how do you say it, period standpoint, what somebody might consider sci-fi in the 16 or 1500s, you know, man flying. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The first instance of that, uh, man always flying, the first instance of an actual design was... Leonardo da Vinci. Yeah. And his famous helicopter. How about this for a definition? It was in the 1600s. Um, How about the idea that these science fictions are obtainable from the human perspective? Because religion a lot of times comes from the point of it's given by a god or a godlike being, which could you could say are aliens, yes or no. But sci-fi, it's like a it's something that's obtainable to a human in such a way that there's you can believe the suspension of disbelief. I can I can actually go with that definition because that's a lot of yeah. sci-fi stuff that happens now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because there's is, a lot of stuff that's like proof to concept. Now. Is proof right. to concept? Yeah, yeah. theory. It, theory. It's like I mean Gene Roddenberry with Star Trek. I mean he went to NASA scientists and said, "Hey, I want to do this show, and so give me some ideas for." how this might work in space mm-hmm. yeah. and you know he did warp drive that was a theoretical concept mm-hmm. when so and now it turns out that we may actually achieve something akin to warp drive oh. in the next 20 years right so uh so yes i agree with that which is leonardo da vinci's helicopter exactly the helicopter of course didn't come around until uh, 1900s. But it was it was seen as obtainable by a human. Like it was a human design for the purpose of doing something that was fantastical in that time. Proof of concept, yeah. And then, though, from the 1600s to the 1800s at Kitty Hawk, when 
I mean, we had hot air balloons. Everybody, the ancient Chinese knew that hot air rises because paper lantern celebrations, right. you know, thousands of years ago. Yeah. So taking that concept and turning it into a giant hot air balloon, okay. not a big deal. I wouldn't classify that scale. as sci-fi at that time. But an actual airplane? Oh, that's huge. From oh, yeah. concept to proof in that time period between a couple hundred years, yeah, science fiction. I would go with that. Right. Yeah. Even going to the moon, like even like a decade or so before the 60s was like seen as, oh, that that's kind of crazy. You yeah. know, you, you are crazy folks for thinking it is possible to walk on a moon. And you bring that up, and that's 1800s. Uh, it was 18, I looked it up, as in the 1800s, Jules Verne. Uh, from the Earth to the Moon in his novel. Hmm. And, again, his concept was basically like firing a giant bullet at the moon. Which mm-hmm. is kind of what we did. But it's, it's pretty which, symbolically accurate. Which is somewhat accurate, yeah. but, you know, for, well, for his concept, that. it was a projectile. Mm-hmm. It wasn't actually, he didn't even himself call it a spaceship. Mm-hmm. It was uh, referred to as oh. a spaceship in a news article a like few a years later. Uh, by by the author of the news article. Right. Uh, they coined it. And they coined it. Now, the interesting thing about Jules Verne's concept in his book and the drawings and everything that accompanied it is that some scientists, when I was a kid, mm-hmm. had actually done the math on it. Mm-hmm. And Jules Verne's basic, basic concept was actually viable. It could work. Ooh, that's interesting. It could work. There were some specific things that... He, Jules Verne, wouldn't have had access to, but at the time that they did it, which is in the 60s, or the 70s, uh, that it could, you could fire a projectile at the moon and have it get there. Hmm. Uh, now, well, you know, would somebody survive inside this fired projectile? Not likely. But you could get a projectile from You could do robots, you know, like how we send stuff to Mars. Yeah. What if you had, like, um, really strong magnets that just had the enough push that it just kind of shot it out? Kind of like one of those roller coaster rides. A rail gun. Yeah, like a rail gun. That's a lot of magnets. There you go, that's a rail gun. Well, a lot of gasoline for a (laughs) spaceship, so. (laughs) But, yeah, our shuttles do look look like giant bullets. And so, and it wasn't until the 1960s, again, that we actually did go to the moon. If you're one of those people that believe we actually went to the moon, I'm not saying you. Uh, There's a hoax. There's there's the hoax. There's the hoax people out there. I'm sorry. I'm hopeful that we, I do believe we went to the moon. So, because I don't think we're that stupid. No. And see, this is the one thing that, and everybody says that, I believe we went to the moon. There are, there's equipment on the moon that some lunar satellites have taken pictures of and sent back. Mm-hmm. Oh, um, okay. They just recently had one where they showed the lunar lander on the moon. That's cool. Um, yeah. But people were like, well, those are doctored. You know, that's fake. You know, how like, do we know they're real? Like, what's in the, the 60s, it was kind of hard to doctor in the 60s, though. No, yes, no. I know. Well, that's what they're saying, that there haven't been actual images until, if, except for in the past 20 years yeah. when they've been finding the sites and taking pictures and releasing them. Past 20 years, we do have the ability to doctor those photos and whatnot. So the, that's what the I, conspiracy theorists I say s- is that they're doctored. I say, okay, well, the reason I think it actually happened is, okay, from the perspective of the time, I could see why they would have faked it per se for you know and you know make us look more advanced 
in the worldview. But yeah. for today's perspective, when you go forward, it doesn't make sense. Why would the federal government fund a program that's false? Like, why would they go through that ruse? Like, okay, yes, there's, you know... There's, I only have one suggestion for that, and that's just because we're always going up against other countries. Well, at the time, we were competing yeah. with Russian. Yeah. We right. were the first ones to have a rocket into space. Mm -hmm. We were the first ones to uh, have a satellite go into orbit. They were the first ones to have an animal into space. Yeah, and I would say... They that, were the yeah. first ones uh, to have a man in right. space. Right, so at the time... It and I would also say control, sense. too. Yeah. Well, yeah. Because, you know, like, um, like, look how powerful we are and think of how dangerous we can be. Yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And yeah, yeah. So that's the only way, reason why I could think of Rouge just because they want to be the... They want to claim it as their first. But yeah. to keep going and exactly. funding the program. That's yeah. what, to me, I'm like, okay, it's not worth it now. No. Yeah. But we now have, what, satellites up there? They're working on the space station. Oh, they've got... They've there is got, so much space junk up there now. Oh, yeah. yeah. There's it's, so it's much unreal. stuff going on, so... We're, we're constantly Defunct. Defunct. <laughs> defunct yeah. weapons. I would, not be, I would not be surprised if we ever get into... I think there was a story that did this where we actually formed a wall of junk that was out in space. <laughs> and then I think, like, during the story, at some point, they all, like, a lot of it started falling. Yeah, I mean, I if the there's probably enough atmosphere. junk up there that we could build part of the Dyson Sphere. Right. Or a big Earth. We can just start, like, piecing it together. Yeah. All right. Just, so. Just tear it apart. Look, we can reuse it. So. It's fine. The, space recycle. Yay. Recycle space. That's the first instance, 1800s Jules Verne novels, mm -hmm. uh, Earth to the Moon. In film, believe it or not, the very first instance of space travel, again, was called The Trip to the Moon. Yeah. It was a silent French film, mm -hmm. and that was what it was called, 1902. Okay. Uh, and, uh, again, that was a, a very similar one where they, it was firing a bullet at the moon. When, yeah. was, um, uh, when was the Earth stood still created? Uh, the, the day the Earth stood still was in the 19... 50s, uh, but before that we had other things. We had comics, which oh, comics are like comics in the 1920s yeah. and 30s oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. that oh, yeah. incorporated space travel, Dude, the aliens. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I mean, one of my favoriteest ever sci-fi shows and stories, uh, The Adventures of Baron Munchausen. <laughs> I mean, that I was not that only sci-fi; that was fantasy sci-fi. Oh yeah, both together, mm -hmm. and I mean it can it contained a little bit of everything. He went to the moon, he talked with the gods. Um, um, Alice in Wonderland, in a way, was kind of, I mean it's not sci-fi, but some of the stuff yeah. that that she had to use. You could say that Alice in Wonderland was interdimensional travel. I can get around <laughs> right, that. Right, right. Yeah. What about the uh, cookie she ate and made go big and small? Um, I think that was something that they saw again in the '60s. Mm -hmm. Oh wait, maybe not. People only <laughs> thought they were growing ten feet tall. My hands are so huge, and they're <laughs> oh wait, no, they're not. Okay, what was in that brownie? <laughs> yeah, that's what basically a lot of superheroes would probably base off is what happens when you take a magic pill that probably was related to weed or something. But, uh, I mean, we had Superman in the 1930s. He was an alien that came to Earth. Right. Yeah. Uh, mm. But the big ones, and one that I didn't even know about, uh, well, I knew about Flash Gordon, 1936. That was space travel, laser guns. I mean, right. that right you know, the there. Classic sci-fi. Classic sci-fi. Yeah. What we consider sci-fi now. Right. 
Flash Gordon, but also Buck Rogers in the 1930s, 1936 as well, from a comic book I didn't know. Uh, and Buck Rogers, of course, his story is uh, man going into space and he, he somehow gets frozen and sent to the future where uh, in the 25th century where uh, space travel is all sorts of uh, you know normal and everything and alien contact and whatnot so 1930s uh, so yeah so sci-fi goes back a long way mm-hmm. and a lot of the stuff that was in that old sci-fi is still sci-fi today to a degree mm-hmm but a lot of it also, I mean, we now have rail guns, like right. we were just talking about. The, the communicator, per se. The communicator. Well, I mean, we do have the cell phones, the flip right. phones. I mean, yeah. I know flip, flip phone design was because of Star Trek. Screen to screen conversations. Screen to screen right. conversations right. now, Video big chat. time. Oh, well, yeah. I think we're even getting to the point where we're getting close to having, like, um, I thought I, s- I know in one of the movies I saw it, but I don't know if we have it in real life yet, but the ones where you're actually going to be able to like look, looks like little scrolls where you you, you open and oh yes yeah. oh yeah like they, a hologram the first yeah. the first foldable screen yeah. phone screen is now on the market quantum computing quantum computers there are Crystal quantum disc, computers right. now yeah. I had this crazy dream one time that the ultimate weapon isn't a nuclear bomb but actually a quantum bomb that could actually change the future history of a country huh. Ooh, that's a neat concept right that you need to write that down in the like, story. That would be like insane. No, could you this imagine? is copyrighted once it goes live. <laughs> <laughs> could you imagine that? Like how like scary something like that would be as a, as a weapon? Because you could literally control everything that happens for a whole civilization. Nope. There is, I believe, in Legend, DC Legends. I think it was like the first season. They're going after the the staff of destiny. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Well, that, the, it's the spear of destiny. Spear actually. of destiny. Excuse me. That Hitler was originally trying to find ever ago, and oh, at least wow. that was a conspiracy. Was that he was looking? Well, no. For Hitler it. was looking for the spear yeah. of destiny. Wasn't he also looking for the Holy Grail? He was looking for yeah. the Holy Grail. He was looking for the uh, Ark oh, of the Covenant, the spear of destiny. Uh, ever some the, ever the occultist. Some yeah. say that the the Nazis actually did get a hold of the spear of destiny. There's some. What does it do? What was it supposed uh, to do? The Spear of Destiny is the spear that was used by the. Yes, it was the spear that was used to stab Christ while he was on the cross. Okay. Uh, by I want to say the Centurion Longinus, Longin- and... Longinus, Longinus, or well. Yeah, I, that's what I want. I, I don't know for certain the name. I, w- I would be able to tell you the I'd, name. I'd have no. to. Yeah. <laughs> but the spear is the spear that was used to stab Jesus on the cross. In DC Legends itself, they were using it at, and a lot of other, I think a lot of other shows, um, they were claiming like it had powers where you can, might be able to change one's destiny or oh. the or the or their path or whatever. And see, that's the new sci-fi right now. Because, I mean, a lot of the old sci-fi stuff that we've we've gotten is, like lasers, we actually have laser weapons now. Right, right. That's a reality. Laser weapons are a reality. Magnetic weapons are a reality. Sonic weapons are a reality. Just don't ask the Navy about it. (laughs) Um, The next one is time travel. And it was a few years ago that they proved that time travel might actually be theoretically possible. Hmm. 
because they uh, there's a way that uh, certain particles behave. Yeah. That uh, and I I'd have to relook it up, but it's uh, and I encourage everybody to look up these experiments. But uh, there are certain particles that act as both particle and wave. Right. And when you fire them at a wall, they travel as a wave until you look at them, and then they become particles. Now, that's part of quantum physics right there. Yes, yeah, it's, it's, it's a yeah. quantum... Yeah. But they've actually proved it, and now what they... what The, the part that they actually proved was that um, as soon as the wave is viewed and transformed to a particle back in its past where it started mm -hmm. it was also a particle hmm. so, it, it so as soon as you view it it was a particle all along even though it was traveling as a wave that's really cool yeah i love this stuff or i love that crap i might oh have God. it backwards it might be it was traveling as a particle well, and no. when you view it it becomes it, a wave this I is might actually have... a theory i have that the future already exists and it's already happened and that what's happening is we're actually viewing time backwards we're not actually traveling to the future Hmm. We're actually traveling to the past, but we view it as the future. And, like, everything's already happened. So, like, if you're going to go to the store, you've already been there. You're just now walking that path. I guess a good, better way to think about it is you think about time as, like, a fourth dimension, right? Well, what, well that's what it is considered. Well, yes, it's considered the fourth dimension, right? Well, if you have three dimensions and you put it down to two dimensions, what do you get? You get, like, an animation, right? You yeah. get the illusion of time. Well, that's all time is. I mean, the, it already exists because it's one solid thing. Mm -hmm. It's like if you're traveling a cube. Yeah, you, you're going to the other side of the cube, but um, theoretically, it was always there, even though you're traveling it. it. Douglas Adams wrote in The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy that time is an illusion based on the passage of history. Well, Conversely, history is an illusion based on the passage of time. Right. <laughs> which is dependent yeah. on three things. Who you are, where you are, and when you last had lunch with, say, five people, Bronx. Jesus. So, that idea of time flowing simultaneously at whatever point in history mm -hmm. or in time you're at mm -hmm is actually I kind of like that idea that's what you're talking about right right it's like, like time cannot flow to a place unless it already exists it's a solid state in a higher dimension thus the future already exists sorry we lost our buddy for a moment oh, she's behind the curtains <laughs> I think she's For all those wondering, there is an actual bunny in the room right yeah. now. Yeah, there is a very <laughs> we yeah. bunny. Axel and I foster, are fostering with the rabbit advocates. Yep. And uh, we have a little black bunny. Yes, her which name is Ebony. Every single time uh, I say little black bunny, I wanna I wanna do that song, <laughs> you know. Whoa, black bunny, bam lamb, whoa, black bunny, bam lamb. Black bunny hopping around. So there's our segue for the show. Hey. Hey. Time. We got there. So yeah, so time is the new the time travel and uh, is the new 
sci-fi, I want to say. Yeah, there's a lot of that. There's, oh, and Alternative Dimension. Alter, alternative Dimension. Yeah, there you go. The, That's another one. Yep. Which actually, I think, was part of String Theory that I vaguely remember listening to. Hmm. Um, well, so with String, I don't know. I What I remember from String Theory was that they were um, using it to study, I think, the, the possibility of an alternate universe. They're imagining everything, everybody had, the universe was like a big giant loaves of bread. Yeah. And so we had like multiple ones. So when you went, eventually went to the wall at the end of the universe, you might have been able, you know, eventually been able to cross over somehow. And that, that's actually been a staple mm-hmm. in some sci-fi novels about, uh, that go down to the personal level. Like a, each decision you make every day you know, to go left or to go right, to say yes or to say no. Somewhere in the dimensional multiverse, Someone's doing some that. you went left and you went, went right. right. And you said yes uh, and you said no. So somewhere in the multidimensional verse, every decision you make either creates or is part of another dimensional point of view. How, how about this though? Going back to kind of like the idea of the four-dimensional cube though, it's like if you doesn't matter to go left or right, it, you might all end up in the same place. Yeah, possibly. Yeah. There is a movie, romantic movie called Sliding Doors that actually took that concept where this lady had broken up with this guy and basically just shortly after that she did two weeks. She did. She ended up going two different directions, yeah. and each side of her totally went. Took on. This is what would happen if she went left. This is what would happen if she went right. I think it wound up being where she ended up. One side ended up meeting like this guy. She really liked him. She got pregnant, and then crap. And then I think she even lost a baby or something on that side. But it was a really good movie, though, and it's a, it's an interesting concept of because you know I personally think every day like. If I had actually gone to the school I was thinking about going instead of hearing everybody, because mm-hmm. I'm an artist, I'm also I'm an artist slash writer, and at this time, a lot of people were telling me you're not going to make money off an artist. Mm-hmm. Nowadays, you know, you don't get that as much anymore, right. and so I didn't go to the school I wanted to go to. I ended up going to community college. So if I had gone to the school, I may not be here. I may not have met Axel. Want to hear? The craziest story. So, I I have this hobby. I love hypnotism. Love hypnotism, right? Yeah. And I figured, okay, if you can do past life regression, why can't you go the opposite way? Why can't you do future life regression? Maybe not a new life, but like your own future, right? Well, when I was 19, I had someone say that I was going to end up engaged to, to a guy friend and that he would break up with me in Springfield, Illinois, right? Well, six months later, this guy friend of mine got really obsessed with me. He's like, I want to marry you. I'm like, okay, sure. And I'm like, so where are we going to get an apartment? He goes, let's get an apartment in Springfield. I'm like, no, we are not getting an apartment in Springfield. So we end up moving to Lamont, Illinois. Turns out the place we got, we got scammed by some Craigslist people, and we had to, like, leave. So then we went to another place. That place had a problem. Went to another place, to a new city. That place had a problem. Finally, the only place we could find apartment was Springfield, Illinois, and that month he broke up with me. Like, I knew the future, I tried to train to future, and it still fucking happened. Wow. Isn't that the craziest, creepiest thing you ever heard? Yes. (laughs) That leads to the next um, sort of 
sci well, it's not really sci-fi, but you could take that, which is your path. You know, are you? Do you believe that the path predetermined destiny? Yes. I totally to totally believe in predetermined destiny. It is freaking real, totally. Now, I firmly believe that you do have a destiny. However, your choices will depend on if you actually get to that destiny, or if you take a segue and do something completely different. Like, you know, as I mentioned before, if I had gone to the school, I could have been the artist that I was thinking of. I may not, you know, but then again, I mean, there's always a side possibility I may not have met Axel. Mm -hmm. So depending on what my destiny is, I my destiny may be that starting New York Story Discovered and doing something with it may have been my destiny, and I and just did all got, this. Yeah, you might have got to a different exactly. way. Exactly. Maybe you would have ended up working for a company. What if you end up working at Mozilla? Not like... I know, right? Not That'd that so maybe cool. if you would have been like <laughs> a user experience designer or something yeah. like that, and then maybe we would have still met... I'm liking this destiny idea. <laughs> <laughs> and like it, we still would have like crossed paths. Yeah. Maybe I would have told you kind of about my idea. Maybe that would have sparked some inspiration, and it still would have happened. Yeah, it's so, totally, it could it could work that way. I firmly believe that we all have our own destiny. It's just our choice to whether or not we want to follow through. I think there's an A and a Z, and you can go through do anything <laughs> through B C D E F G, but you're still somehow getting to a Z. What about you, Alpha and Omega. I seriously yes. have never actually believed in, in Destiny at all, um, oh, only because I change my mind so often that I can't imagine there would have been <laughs> such well, a see, thing. Well, see, then you need um, Destiny to help you. Well, maybe maybe your Destiny isn't a direct Destiny, because when we think of Destiny, we think of some grand adventure going yeah. into sci-fi. Why? Because it's the hero's journey kind yeah, of thing. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. But not everyone's Destiny is going to be to be, you know... James Bond or Luke Skywalker. Someone's oh, destiny no. might be to be, you know, I hate to say it. The fifth red shirt on the Star Trek episode <laughs> right. that got shot. Right. Or that drained by destiny. the alien cloud. Or, or as I like to refer to it, it's the guy who gets steamrolled in Austin Powers. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I mean, what if your destiny is to influence their destiny? What if that is your destiny? What if, because you know, you're a producer, right? Yeah. That means you have a huge butterfly effect on other people. That's a destiny. Yeah. What yeah, are you in a way. Um, my belief is your choices take you on your path. And where you end up is where you were going to end up because of the choices you made. Okay, so he, That's he's, my he, he's traditional. He has a traditional view of, you know, cause and effect. Yeah, I, I believe, you know, I, I, I firmly do believe cause and effect. If, you know, if I'm going to eat that jalapeno today, tomorrow I'm going to crap a fireball. So, you know, I firmly believe that effect. Yeah. You know, even though that never happens because I love spicy food and I, like, uh, I eat it constantly. So. Tim Allen <laughs> in the Home Improvement, after, and he knows after he eats Polish, it uh, gives him, he stays up late at night and smells, smells up the house. <laughs> yep. The biohazard warning. So yeah, so sci-fi goes back a lot farther than yeah. many people probably think it does. Um, and it's an ever-evolving beastie. 
There might have been concept about Atlantis having some kind of technology too. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. Atlantis. Yeah. yeah that, that's kind of a sci-fi is yeah. pretty. Oh yeah. Strong Atlantis. story there. Advanced civilization yeah. that yeah. sank beneath the sea. I mean, that's because like the gods were angry at them. That is so sci-fi. I mean, you cannot deny that sci-fi. Well, and the funny part. Oh, yeah. The funny part about Atlantis is, if you take all like any possibility of technology and just make it down to any civilization. It's really not quite sci-fi, but the but the idea of Atlantis itself is kind of sci-fi. Oh, yeah. Yeah, but, like, it's, like, so sci-fi that even modern sci-fi, mm-hmm. we still like to play on it. Oh, we yeah. totally I mean, oh, yeah, a yeah. super advanced um, civilization Aquaman. of technology. Yeah. It fits into today's motif of sci-fi. All right. So I think we've covered historical sci-fi, and uh, unless anybody else has anything they want to add with it, I want to make meaty little jet skis for uh, for Ebony now. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I want to I want to sci-fi her now. What make her steampunk Ebony. Oh, I guess the... Oh, I, steampunk. We never even covered that. Exactly. Well, that, it makes sense because, I mean, if the late 1800s was yeah. the kind of the birth of modern sci-fi, of course it inspired steampunk because the Industrial yeah. Revolution. And that's but see, now part. here's the funny thing about that is that the first steam engine was done in BC by Heron, the inventor. He created the first steam engine during the Roman Empire. But he created some uses for it, but the people who were financing him for his inventions didn't see a future for it. So it never went anywhere. This guy could have been a million dollar or a billion dollar industry, whatever, and they. Well, no, the industrial revolution could have happened, you know, like a couple thousand years Uh, before it actually actually did. Um, But they were more interested in things like weaponry and whatnot, and uh, or religious items. Like Herod invented a twenty-minute. It was like a twenty. Yeah, it's twenty-minute auto theater. With wooden cutouts and everything, and it was all ran by how ropes were tied on gears, and marbles, and <laughs> and stuff like that, yeah. uh, to create sound effects while uh, a, a, uh, an orchestra played to it. And the whole thing would run for 20 minutes. He invented the first vending machine. And this was in BC, and it was a, a machine that was uh, designed to dispense holy water for a drachma. Which was uh, a coin back then. Can you imagine where humanity would be yeah. if they would have saw the use of things like the steam engine yeah. in BC times? Yep. I mean, we'd I wonder, ro- we'd already be into space travel. Yeah. We'd already be into time travel. I wonder how many. I wonder how many other stuff they started thinking about doing, but never never fully went through until now. Well, see, that's the thing. It's it's yeah. one of the the, the 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 ideas about what happened. Why did it stop? Like. Heron, one of the big things that he invented was the repeating crossbow. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, or actually a large oh, repeating, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, a yeah, large uh, arbalist. Ar- almost like a gallon gun. Almost like a gallon gun. But it was not until the Civil War uh, that this type of weaponry was reinvented. The gallon gun was first reinvented during the Civil War. But it wasn't used during the Civil War until the very end because nobody believed in it and it wasn't until a group of Indians attacked a fort Native American Indians attacked a fort 
that they should have overran by their sheer numbers, but the uh, United States soldiers at the time actually won the battle because of the Gatling guns. And when the general showed up and said, hey, you know, what happened? It's like, well, these guys, how many were there? It's like, they should have overran you. How'd you guys win? Our Gatling guns. Get those onto the field. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't until they were proved um, that they were taken seriously. Da Vinci, he actually cre- uh, did a lot of designs on... I vaguely remember watching. I think you were with me, Axel, when we were when we were watching this segment on the Da Vinci stuff, Leonardo Da Vinci, and he actually was asked to create weapons at some mm. point. Yep. And I remember informing mm. certain, and they're like weapons you would see now almost. Yep. Yeah, I have the, I have this going back to conspiracy theories. I have a personal cons- uh, conspiracy theory that I've thought up. Mm. What if time travel already exists and the reason things like steam engines didn't take off is because they were suppressed? And I think the evidence that time travel already exists is that our economic system is based off time. If you think about it, the way you build wealth is over time. You have interest. I mean, if you wanted to control a population, you would make an economic system based off time. Wouldn't that be like the crazy thing? If we actually are, we're not the actual timeline. But what if we're, like, the side timeline? Like, yeah. the one that was already, like, messed with? Wouldn't that hmm. be, like, the craziest thing? That's actually... There are some people who believe that uh, throughout history, certain things were suppressed uh, because our alien overlords didn't want us to advance that fast. Huh. So they suppressed certain things, like the steam engine with Heron, like mm-hmm. the rulers, I mean... The Anunnaki and mm-hmm. and and the the reptilian rulers of the world and whatnot. You hmm. know what pisses me off the most <laughs> is the fact that they think the aliens are the ones that gave us mathematics and stuff in Egypt. The reason why it pisses me off is because I'm like, so you think that we are so stupid we can't come up with it? We have to have help. Okay, I'm gonna ask <laughs> you to rethink that statement, considering every stupid thing that occurs on a daily basis. Yeah, but I, I understand her point, too. <laughs> I mean, that's stupid, though. No, I, as a I, collective I, species, there's always a few of us well, that are actually as a collective, smart. we're stupid. Yeah. yeah. But, um, but this, the thing is, is, though, if you go back, if you take it back, the it was, if you take the star people mm-hmm. stories, like, especially from the Aztecs, it was the star people who came down and taught them how to arrange their pyramids, taught them how to do the math, helped them design. And this is, they credit, Hmm. the Aztecs credit the star people, their gods, with teaching them. But are we that stupid, though? But it doesn't say that we're stupid. It just means that at that time, we didn't know. And who's to say that? Somebody came and taught us, and once we knew, we advanced it on our own. And who's and is to say the star people weren't each er, Egyptian. Mm-hmm. Or know? Egyptian, yeah. Because they're definitely gonna be way weirder and different looking than no, that civilization. Point. So they yeah. could be technically you know? mankind just from a different world. And I mean look at look at how many times our history has been rewritten from yeah. Christopher Columbus was the one who discovered the United <laughs> right, States to right. the fact that it may have been Leif Erikson who discovered the United States first. Yeah. <laughs> I mean and that they there there was an Indian tribe of blonde, blue-eyed Native Americans. Where did they come from? Well, it was the Vikings who landed and 
Massachusetts, and you know, Massachusetts. There were the Vikings that landed in Massachusetts long before Christopher Columbus ever set sail. So, you know, we're finding all of these things in our history. There are still so many discoveries that have been made that science and historians, archaeologists, cannot explain. Mm-hmm. That if you look them up online, you'll find, like the two million year old footprint. Where did that come from? Time travel, perhaps. Right, right. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Um, um, there are actually a lot of people who have been studying the Bible, actually been using technology to find. Actually, this actually comes up with something cool. I just thought of that I did see, but uh, they've been locating a lot of. They've been trying to locate a lot of the cities that were in the Bible, yeah. that are no longer there. But what I just thought of and. Basically, you know what it's called, but there is this guy that's taking for he. This is something that's like really forever. But what he's doing is he's actually going to ruins and stuff, and he's mapping out entire buildings through some kind of three D modeling thing. But in this, and I'm talking about hmm. he has to take a camera and everything, and slowly like take photos and all kinds of things, yeah. and then he's rebuilding it. Oh, wow. I don't know if it's like a physical 3D, but he's just like... Well, it's a computer model 3D yeah. image of... Uh, and there's there's a group that's actually doing that with some of our more modern stuff, too. And then um, there's also technology hmm. showing that what kind of colors uh, like the Greeks and the Romans had used in their uh, buildings, the, all their buildings and stuff from the ruins. Because hmm. um, a lot of it, it wasn't actually white. It actually were colors that were like the basic like gold, red and stuff, which some of the colors I saw weren't, I kind of feel like they were really badly color coordinated. <laughs> well, color back then was what you could get a hold of. Right? Yeah. yeah. And, uh, Blue was considered the most luxurious color. Uh, actually, could, not quite. Which it one? depends on what period well, of history you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, white also could because, be because of wealth. Because uh, during yeah. the Spanish expansion, the color that everybody wanted was red. And it was the Spanish explorer who found a beetle in Southern America mm-hmm. hmm. that would create this brilliant red color, the carapace from this beetle. And he basically, okay, he took that, went back to Europe, mm-hmm. and made a fortune off of the color red. Yeah. So, I mean, it really, different colors yeah, to different times. Th- yes. Blue was considered royal for a while. Purple was mm-hmm. considered royal for a while. Well, in Renaissance paintings... The color blue was very expensive. Yeah. It was made out of jewels. Oh, jeez. Yeah. <laughs> um, blue is till this day is still considered. Um, so if you look at a lot of comics and movies, um, if you look at the the way like heroes and villains are dressed, majority of the time heroes are going to be dressed in blue and. That's psychological and, though, because the color blue is is considered uh, loyalty. And it makes you feel mm. loyal. That's why, like sometimes, security and police officers wear blue yep. because you feel um, loyal to them. Actually, a fun trick: if you're going into an interview, always wear blue. You're more likely to get a job if you wear the color blue than any other or color. Or red. Or like no, 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 no. Do not. Unless you're going for upper management, do not wear red because you'll look too aggressive. Ah. Because when you're going <laughs> for a lower job, you're supposed to be more submissive. Hmm. So, wearing blue makes you look very loyal to the company and loyal to the boss. Uh, white is also considered, can be considered multiple things, but a lot of it's like divinity. Black's right. always worked for me. Honestly. Well, black is the color for the villains, yeah. apparently. And it's, 
and Ta-da! you know, and, and and I don't, I, I honestly, I that would be something to look up. Why is black the color of the villain? Well, it, it it's dark. associated with uh, secrecy too. Yeah, that like, is true. Like, and dark. Yes, and, and the and, and the, the darkness, dark, yeah. and the abyss, the void, the unknown. The black is considered, and black is considered as technically a negative. I think. Well, it depends on which culture. In Japanese yeah. culture, white is considered the most negative color because it's associated with death. Mm. Because the yeah. word um, death is shine. She is also the color white. Ah. So it's a pun. And oh, then black is, also consi- black is considered a shade. So then shade is also associated with well, shadow. Well, so black also- death is also where yeah. the color black got a bad rep. Yep. Your skin turned dark, well then, you know, you're going to die. <laughs> All right, so we'll um, we'll definitely wrap this up. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think um, we had a I good wanted, episode. Yeah, a lot of sci-fi segues. Um, and, uh, so a lot of cool things coming up. Uh, we have a few um, interesting episodes of the Casket Cast coming out here uh, in the coming weeks. Um, always stay tuned to the uh, Gore Corner as well, um, delivering horror news and or reviews. Uh, Hopefully we got some good stuff coming up. Of course, there's some movies coming out yep, here pretty soon. Coming out. Yep. Hopefully we can do some really cool reviews and, there. Uh, our celebrity interview, I, I actually have corresponded with uh, their agent, so and they've reached out to me and they've asked uh, questions about our recording time. So I'm not going to tell you who it is yet. Yep. Uh, and I, 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 if they say no, I will reveal and we'll poo poo all over him. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> If uh, if they say yes, it'll be a surprise. Oh, and if we do the poo poo, we have to do it when he's re- when he's alive. Oh yeah, we'll day. have to do his. We'll have to do it during his live show. <laughs> so we can, because uh, he does do the uh, messaging. He does a live show. Yep. Nice. And he takes questions off a live show. So. So we can go. Why are you not recording with us? Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, yeah, but just. Uh, for anybody uh, who's definitely wondering why they cannot find it, RottenCourseRadio.com does not exist anymore. So <laughs> if you are looking for it, we only exist on social media now. Um, you can find us, of course, on Instagram, um, Facebook, Tumblr, and we do have our video channel, uh, which is uh, Vimeo.com forward slash RottenCourseRadio. Uh, so if you're still interested in some of that stuff, Go back yep. and check some of that out. It's very humiliating. We have some really yeah. good episodes in the past. Uh, we are on Anchor Media. Yep. Uh, my personal Voice of Axel Facebook page. I always link the episodes there. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, and we're on Spotify through Anchor and Stitcher and Apple Cast and what is it? Yeah, I- yeah, Apple Podcast and Google Podcast and Google Podcast. Yeah. You can find us everywhere, except where you expect us. (laughs) (laughs) This has been Rotten Corpse Radio.